0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So glad to see all of you and that you are with us today. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt insignificant? Anybody ever felt insignificant? Have you, have you ever felt like maybe there were just too many things that were stacked against you in order for you to be able to, to, uh, to be used by the Lord? Have you ever felt maybe that the circumstances that you were facing were just too overwhelming, just maybe too much that was coming at you, and it was just really difficult to find and see your way Out of things. Well, today I want to encourage you because we're going to go back to the Old Testament book of Judges that we've been in in our series we're calling The Unlikely God Above the Chaos. And today we're going to take a look at uh, someone who was called a deliverer of Israel, uh, a judge in which there is only two verses in the entire Bible that mention his name, two verses uh, from which we, we get a picture of who this guy was. His name was Shamgar. Shamgar and it 's easy when you 're reading through the Book of Judges to just read through that one verse in Judges chapter three, and then when you're reading in Judges chapter five through the Song of Deborah, just to kind of skip through and to move past and 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 to kind of miss this guy, but there are some really good things to love about Shamgar. There are some great things that we can learn from Shamgar, particularly uh, as we see throughout the Old Testament that God uses some of the most unlikely people. To to accomplish what He desires. How many of you know that to be true? That's what we see. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. And so today, as we continue this series, the book of Judges, we see that God is raising up some unlikely deliverers, unlikely judges. They're types of Christ, imperfect, but pointing to the deliverer and the Savior who would be perfect, Jesus Christ. In fact, as we take a look at this, what we find is a cycle in the book of Judges Israel drifting away from the Lord into idolatry. And God lifts his hand of protection, and the people begin to feel the pain of their choices of moving away from God and putting their trust in other gods and in other idols and the immorality that they have opened themselves up to. They experience the pain and the distress of that, and as a result, they cry out to the Lord. And what does God? Do God raises up a deliverer, He raises up a judge, He raises up an unlikely Savior to defeat the enemy and to restore peace to Israel? Following the death of Ehud that we looked at last week, Israel once again is attacked by the enemy, and we get a context of what is going on within the story. So our first verse that we're going to look at that includes our unlikely judge today, Shamgar, comes from Judges chapter 5. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, put a finger in Judges chapter 5, and then split back a couple of verses to Judges chapter 3. If you have our app, you can follow along on the app notes as well today. But it gives us some context. And this is what it says, Judges chapter 5. We're going to go all the way to verse 6. And it says this, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, people avoided the main roads. Travelers stayed on the winding paths. There were very few who left, who were left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. And when Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. So here's some things that we learned, some background about the time frame of Shamgar and who Shamgar was. Here's what we learn about Shamgar. Shamgar lived and he was a contemporary to Jael, who was during the time when Deborah was judged, and there was a military general by the name of Barak, and we're going to look at them next week. But what we learn is is that this was a dangerous time in Israel. One of the things that it says here is that it was unsafe on the main roads. It was unsafe out on the main areas. There were terrorists uh, of these other nations that were attacking, and so village life ceased to exist. That's what it's saying here. Village life ceased to exist. In other words, there wasn't much going on within the villages. People were kind of hiding out. They were staying hidden because they didn't want to be attacked. They didn't want to, to, to be robbed. And, and there was just a lot of chaos. And so they would kind of sneak around in the winding roads, and the back roads. This is where it had come for Israel. They had had great victory. This was the promised land. But because of their idolatry, because they had turned away from the Lord, now they were stuck sneaking around in the back roads. They were sneaking sneaking all around. And village life, as they knew it, had kind of ceased. You might say that they were kind of quarantined or they were in isolation. (laughs) They they were in isolation. Village life ceased. Some of you got that. Some of you have already fallen asleep on me. But what we see in terms of the problem, Israel didn't fight back. And here's the problem that we see. What is the context when Israel chose new gods? When Israel chose new gods, you see, the problem when we shift our worship away from Jehovah and we begin to put our trust in other things, we begin to trust and and hope in other things, idolatry begins to take over in our hearts. And when we do that, we begin to experience what happens when we stop trusting God. Chaos ensues. War erupted, it says, at the city gates. And friends, this is what we learned throughout this. If you haven't seen it already, what we're learning in the book of Judges is the enemy doesn't stop his attack. Just because you win one battle doesn't mean that the fight or the war is over. How many know the enemy keeps attacking We saw that. Joshua died. The enemy attacked. God raised up Othniel. Othniel brought victory to Israel for 40 years. And then what happens? Othniel dies. And what do we see? The enemy attacks. And we learned last week, God raised up Ehud, an unlikely left-handed deliverer, but who leaned into his weakness and saw God move in strength and in power to win that battle. And the enemy attacked, but God raised up Ehud. Ehud brought victory but now Ehud has died, and what do we see again? The enemy attacks. Friends, the enemy is attacking. The enemy is attacking. There was no place of security. There was no village life. There was, no, there was fear. There was great fear that was ruling the day, and, and there was no peace. And friends, I would say today, that in this world that lives as they did then, where everybody does right in their own eyes, there is, a lot of, there is a lot of fear. There is a great lack of peace. There is a lack of security within our world today. But friends, there is hope. There is hope. And it's here in this season that we are introduced to this unlikely judge, this unlikely deliverer, whose name is Shamgar. Judges chapter 3. Now flip back. Judges chapter 3, right at the end, the last verse, verse 31, says this. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, he too saved Israel. And friends, that's all we have. (laughs) That's all we have. And yet what we see just in this one verse and in the context of verse five are three lessons that we can learn from Shamgar today. Three lessons we can learn from Shamgar today. Number one is this. It's not who you are, but your willingness to serve. It's not about who you are. It's about your willingness. It's about your yes, We have this one small verse, and we don't know a lot about him, but there are some clues that are given us into a picture of who he is and his background. First is his name, Shamgar. Now, you may not realize this, but Shamgar was not a Hebrew name. It had four consonants as opposed to three consonants. Therefore, we know that Shamgar was not a traditional Hebrew name. So what we get from this, along with the fact that it says that he was the son of Anoth, is that Shamgar was not an Israelite. Shamgar was not a Hebrew. He was an outsider. He would be what would be considered a Gentile he he in fact what we know about him is, is that he was probably more in line with what's called the Hurrians or the Hittites. And, and, and who were they? Who were the son of Anoth? Now, typically, it would be a family name. The son of Anoth would have been a family name, but when you recognize that he doesn't have a Hebrew name, and what you when you when you begin to understand the context in which this Anoth, who this Anoth was, Anoth what was a historians and theologians agree was the goddess of war for the nation of Egypt. the goddess of war for the nation of egypt she was considered the protectress of pharaoh and 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 these Hurrians or these Hittites, when you take it together, they were oftentimes hired mercenaries for Egypt. In other words, Egypt went to uh, Canaan and, and to these Canaanites who did not serve Jehovah God. They worshipped other gods and goddesses, the goddess of war, and they would hire these mercenaries. And so his family was probably part of this nation of mercenaries. And as a child, he would have been dedicated to the goddess of Anoth, So. So Shamgar, son of Anoth, means that that in his life, he was not a Hebrew. In fact, he was someone who had been dedicated to, to a foreign goddess. That's his background. He is a very unlikely. What in the world do we see him showing up as a deliverer of Israel? Why? One of the other things we notice is that there is no tribe to which he is associated with. Othniel we have, that Othniel was from the tribe of Judah. And Ehud that we looked at last week was from the tribe of Benjamin, the left-handed man from the son of my right hand, Benjamin. But here, Shamgar has absolutely no tribe association. And so what we learn from Shamgar is he was an outsider by all accounts, and he was just this ordinary guy. But what we see here is that he was willing to be used by God. Friends, God uses unlikely, ordinary people oftentimes people who would be considered the outsiders but he uses people who are willing to serve him friends it's not about who you are it's about your willingness to serve it's not about who you are. It's not about your background. It's not about whether you know enough. It's not about whether you're in the place. He was no priest. He was no place of nobility. He wasn't in a palace. He wasn't even a military general or in any place of leadership. He was just an ordinary guy who was willing. In fact, he was a farmer or maybe even a farm laborer. We don't even know that he had a piece of land or an inheritance. All we know is that, that when the Philistines came marching, he here he was out in the field, and he was with an ox go, which means he was driving the oxen. He was an ordinary farm laborer, nothing special, no special qualification, but he was willing to serve. And here's the lesson. God can use anybody if they will give him his willing, their willingness. God will use anybody who's willing to give them His willingness in fact second chronicles 16 9 tells us this for the eyes of the lord reign throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts who are fully committed to him if you've got a heart that is fully committed to the lord if you are willing to be committed to the lord then friends i want to understand i want you to understand today that god can use you shamgar isn't in a powerful position He didn't have prestige. He didn't have influence. He wasn't famous. He wasn't wealthy. And he didn't wait for an opportune time. He didn't wait until things got better. He didn't wait until he got a promotion. He started where he was and he said yes to God. Friends, God's not concerned with your position. He's not concerned with your station. He's not concerned with your education. He's simply looking for willing people who are devoted to Him. God is looking for willing people who are willing to start right where they are. Right where they are. Right where they are. Zechariah 4.10, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Friends, how many of you know big doors swing on little hinges? Big doors swing on little hinges, Friends. It's not about being big. It's not about having this grand position. It's it's about being willing. And you say, I I don't have a whole lot to offer. You don't have to have a whole lot to offer. You just simply give God your willingness and let God use you. Let God use you. He might not have been everybody else's first choice, but he was God's choice because he was willing to allow God to use him. Remember, the man who is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. God's looking for willing people, friends. God's looking for willing people. In fact, I like how Jensen Franklin put it. He said, so many people say, you know, when I get the big break, when the big door opens, when somebody notices me, when somebody sees my talent and really invests in me, when somebody gives me my big break. But that's not the key to success. The key to success is to start where you are, right where you are. Not to wait when things get better, or when things are different. Not if you only had what somebody else had. Start where you are. Noah didn't wait to build his boat. Noah didn't wait for the boat to come in. He simply obeyed God and built it. And when it comes to serving and saying yes to God, so many times we are full of so many excuses. Right, we're filled with so many excuses. But I like the way Rick Warren states, he said if you're not involved in any service, or ministry what excuse have you been using he said Abraham was old Jacob was insecure Leah was unattractive Joseph was abused Moses stuttered David had an affair and all kinds of family problems all right Elijah was suicidal Jeremiah was depressed Jonah was reluctant Naaman, Na, Naomi was a widow John the Baptist was eccentric to say the least right <laughs> Peter Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. How many of you know that's quite a variety of misfits, isn't it? Those are unlikely people. Unlikely people, but they submitted themselves to God and they allowed God to transform them and use them through the power of His Holy Spirit. Shamgar didn't let who he was, he didn't let his background or any limitation keep him from saying yes to the Lord. Friends, God is looking for some Shamgar's today. God's looking for some Shamgar's today who are willing to say yes to the Lord. Secondly, it's not about what you don't have, but it's about what you do have. It's not about what you don't have, it's about what you do have. Judges uh, 3.31 tells us the weapon that Shamgar used. What did he use? He used an ox goad, right? an ox goat. What's an ox goat? It's a tool that's about six feet long, and it's got a chiseled point at the end. Now, it's not the kind of point that you want to do injury to the animal, but just enough that you want to cause a little bit of pain. In fact, for, for for the cattle, oftentimes it would be poking on the back of their legs because, have you heard the phrase, dumb as an ox? Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Because the ox, you're going in a direction, and the ox says, I don't know if I want to go in that direction anymore. I just think I want to stop. I don't think I want to keep going. I I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to stop. And so if you're, if you have the ox goad, you're just giving a little point to the back. Woo, hey, get that ox moving, right? Get that ox moving. I mean, think about it. We learned this in Acts chapter 26 about the, uh, the apostle Paul when he was Saul. His name was still Saul. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, Why are you kicking against the goads? the goads, in other words God had to goad Saul a little bit he kept poking him and Saul wasn't paying attention friends I'm going to tell you something some of you God's been poking and you're not paying attention you keep kicking against the goads, and you keep like the ox you just keep kicking back at that and God's saying listen I'm trying to get you to go in the right direction I'm not trying to hurt you I'm trying to poke you you got to get in the right direction and yet here he was Shamgar killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad 600 Philistines why to use an ox goad why well, we looked at Judges chapter 5. That's what gave us the context in verse 8. It says this, when Israel chose new gods, war erupted at the city gates. And look what it says. Yet not a shield or spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. So he didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. He got 40,000 warriors at this time frame that we see in Israel, yet there's not a sword and there's not a spear. And they say, well, we can't fight. But not Shamgar. Shamgar said, you know what? I got an ox and That's good enough for me. I got an ox- Ox code in the Lord. I got an ox code in my bare hands, and you know what? I'm tired of the enemy attacking. I'm going to use what I have. I'm not going to focus on my limitations. I'm not going to focus on what I don't have. I'm going to choose to focus on what I do have and what is in my hand. Listen, friends. We, we see this throughout Scripture. Remember when, when Moses was was, was he had he, been wandering for forty years in the wilderness himself. He had left Egypt after killing the Egyptian and and found out, oh man, that was the wrong thing. And he went off into the wilderness, and he's a shepherd in the wilderness, and he's been like 40 years in the wilderness, and all of a sudden he comes upon this place, and there's a bush that is burning, but not burning up. Anybody remember that? And God calls him, and God says, listen, Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, set my people free. And how many of you know Moses was a little reluctant? Moses had some excuses, Right? And in, and in Exodus chapter 4, we see this excuse, and we see God's response. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me, or listen to me, or say the Lord did not appear to you? And then the Lord said to him, look at, the que- look at what the Lord said to him, look at the question he asked him. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And what does Moses say? A Staff. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And when Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake, and he ran from it. I would too. <laughs> then the Lord said, reach out your hand and pick it up by the tail. Listen, you don't pick snakes up by the tail, all right? Right? I'm thinking, no, Lord, I'm not. But when he picked it up, what happened? It became a staff again, right? You know what we learn? In our hands, what we have is just ordinary. But if we will throw it down in the hands of God, it becomes supernatural. It becomes extraordinary. Listen, God is not asking you to use what you don't have. God wants, he's asking you and he's saying, what is that in your hand? What is it that you do have? Quit focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. Because I use what you do have. I use what I have given you and if you will surrender what i have given you to me it will become something that is supernatural come on there are good things and there, there are good things the ox goat a simple farming tool right yet it becomes a weapon of mass destruction <laughs> It's a weapon, a mass destruction. Why? Because sometimes we think we have such limited resources. God can never use me. I don't have the talent. I don't have the gifts. I don't, I don't have the resources. I'm not wealthy enough. I don't have the education. And friends, God is saying, what is in your hand? Man, there are so many examples of this. David didn't use any kind of armor or a sword to take down Goliath. What did he have? A sling and five stones. What is in your hand? A sling and five stones. The widow in Elijah's day, man, she just had a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. That's all she had was just a little bit of that. But as she began to surrender that, as Elijah had told her that God said to do, she found that she was fed day in and day out. Use what's in your hand. Come on, for the little boy, the feeding of the 5,000 he just had a little lunch five loaves and two fish what is five loaves and two fish even the disciples said that he said feed all these people they said well what do we have well there's a little boy I mean he's got five loaves and two fish but five loaves and two fish in the hands of the master fed five thousand what is in your hand what is in your hand for Samson it was a jawbone of a donkey we'll look at him later on Joseph Parker, the congregational preacher who was a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, he said this, what is a feeble instrument in the hands of one man is a mighty instrument in the hands of another. Friends, what is that for you? Are you keep waiting for ideal circumstances and ideal resources, or are you going to use what is in your hand? Thirdly, it's not about being known, but it's about what you're known for. It's not about being known, but what you are known for. Look at the way that Judges 3.31 ends. After Ehud came Shamgar son of Anath who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And here it is. He too saved Israel. He too saved Israel. That's a legacy. That's all we know about him. That's all the scripture says about him. But I got to be honest with you. If that's all that was ever said about me, that's enough. Because it's not about being known. He was an unknown. He was just two verses in the Bible. It's about all we get about him. We don't know a whole lot about him. But let me tell you something. What we do know about him is really important. He too saved Israel. He too saved Israel we don't hear about his failures. We don't hear about his shortcomings There's nothing to really focus on in terms of his family background or a special lineage that he had We just get to see that he too saved Israel In a world today where people are all about Give me my five seconds of fame My three seconds. Of fame. I mean, we got Bernie Sanders everywhere today I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, we got Bernie memes everywhere I don't know about the legacy he's going to leave behind, but he's everywhere. And you know what? You can be everywhere. He can show up on every YouTube video there is. You can show up on every TikTok video. You can be all over Facebook and have all these friends. But friends, it's not about being known. It's about what you're known for. There are a lot of people who are known, but what they're known for is not anything to brag about. What are you known for? What are you known for? What are you known for? Man, he was willing to serve when no one else was. He was willing to allow God to use simply what he had in his hand when there was no spear, when there was no sword, when there was no shield in Israel. He had an ox goat. And when 600 Philistines came attacking, he recognized that's an attack of the enemy. And you know what? I'm not going to stand for it. God, I am willing. Here's what I have in my hand. And the Bible says that in the power of God, he killed 600 Philistines and he too saved Israel. He too saved Israel. I found this story to be interesting. Historians tell us this. There were two plagues that swept through the Roman Empire when when Christianity was was early on and being horribly persecuted by the Romans. So so this is a time in, in Roman history and a time in the early church when being a Christian was not a popular thing. And there was great persecution at this time, and at the same time of this great persecution, there were also the, these plagues that had come through the Antonin plague was the first, and, and it, it, it was a little more past the the, the first century a more, little more than a century past the life of jesus so so a little more after a century the past of uh, the life of Jesus, and then the second was the plague of Cyprian which came along a century after that. And one document says th- this about Rome. It says there was about a million people that lived there and about 5,000 people died a day. We, we think that the, the coronavirus, COVID-19 is bad, all right? These, these plagues, about 5,000 died a day. About five thousand died a day. And what happened is is that the bodies were rotting in the streets and the environmental area, the environment that you know, the, the wasn't very sanitized by that time. It just continued to to add to the disease of that day. And as the epidemic, people were filled with fear, absolutely, and terror. And you know what happened? They began to leave the city. The first symptoms appeared and villagers would begin to empty out and begin to leave the city. And they would leave the sick behind without any cure at all. They left sick family members in their beds and they ran for their lives. But but here's what happened. All right, the Christians, in the midst of this great persecution, there was not, there was not a, 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 a Roman king that, that honored God. There was nothing at that time. Didn't honor God, didn't care. And there was these great plagues. There was great persecution. But look at how the Christians responded. They didn't run. They stayed and they brought water to the sick. They fed them. They changed their bandages. They spoke kindly to them. They loved and encouraged them. And you know what happened? Some of them got sick in the process. There's no telling how many they say there's no telling how many were saved as a result of these believers who said, you know what? It's not perfect conditions, but we're willing to serve. We, we don't have a whole lot in our hands. We have limited resources. We're persecuted. We probably haven't even really had jobs or been able, but you know what? When everybody else is leaving, we're going to stay behind and we're going to be willing to serve and we're going to allow God to use us in what is in our hand. And you know what happened? You know what happened? This is what happened. The world is different today because in the middle of this despair, what we might call overwhelming darkness, Christians saw the opportunity to serve and to love others and they literally transformed their world. That's why the Roman Empire changed so dramatically, friends, because people couldn't ignore the actions of a people who loved God so passionately that they were willing to give up their own lives in service to that God, in service to the Lord. And when you speak of the gospel and salvation from sin and and, and you begin to share your Christian witness because of that serving and that loving and stepping in when everybody else steps out, that's when you are heard. That's what brings transformation and that's what brings credibility to our witness. It's love in action. Friends, you can't bully people into the kingdom. You can't legislate a nation to follow the Lord. But you can love them. You can shine the light of Jesus upon them. You can speak the truth. Friends, we can step in when everybody else steps out and show there is a different way and walk in the power of our God. Friends, it's not about being known. It's about what you're known for. It's not about being known, it's not about being popular, it's not about getting our name out there, it's not about being famous, but it's about the legacy that we leave behind. The legacy that we leave behind. So let me ask you a question. If your life was summed up in one sentence, what would they say about you? Shamgar, one sentence. Shamgar, one sentence. One sentence. He too saved Israel. He too saved Israel. If your life was summed up in one sentence, what would it say about you? What would that one sentence be about you? For Shamgar, someone who came from a pretty unimportant place and who had limited resources, he too saved Israel. So let me ask you, what's your one sentence legacy? What is your one sentence legacy? I'm going to invite the worship team to come. You see, when we look at Shamgar, we see a man who is quite ordinary. A man who was quite ordinary. A man with no special circumstances, who had no special position. A man who had very limited resources. But you know what? We see a man who is willing to serve the Lord, and we see a man who is willing to say, God, what is in my hand, I will use for you. What is in my hand, I will use for you. For you i'm going to use what is in my hand i'm going to say yes where i'm at right now i'm not going to wait for something better to come along i'm not going to wait for another opportunity i'm not going to wait for better resources i'm not going to wait for another season god i'm going to allow you to use me right now and to use what i have that's what i'm saying i'm saying yes to you yes to you friends let me encourage you matthew henry said this about this passage he said God can make those eminently serviceable to his glory and the church's good whose extraction, education and employment are very obscure. He that has the residue of the spirit could, when he pleased, make a plowman judges and generals, make plowman judges and generals and fishermen apostles. Shamgar says to each of us, you too can be used by God for the work of his kingdom. You too Those of you here in person, those of you watching online, God wants to use you if you are willing. God is looking for some people who are willing to surrender themselves and say, God, use me. Is this an ideal season? No. Are there a lot of challenges right now? Yes. But you know what, it's not about our circumstances. It's about our willingness it's not about our resources it's about his so I'm asking you what has God put in your hand what has God put in your hand what opportunities are before you right now not tomorrow right now what opportunities are before you and what one sentence legacy do you want to leave behind Let's pray. First, you gotta say yes to Jesus. And so I just wanna ask if you're in this room today, or maybe you're watching online, but you haven't said yes to Jesus, you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, I wanna ask you right now will you surrender your life to Jesus? Are you willing to say yes? To Jesus so maybe maybe you're doing that for the first time today maybe at one point you did it but man you've been living your own way and today you say you know what no today I need to recommit my life to the Lord if you're in here will you slip up your hand if you're online will you just let us know in the comments or will you email us info at painesvilleag.com? come on I want to say yes to Jesus today I need to give my life to Christ anybody at all anybody at all secondly today you say you know what I've been holding back I need to give God my yes I need to give God my willingness today you say you know what I need to say yes to the Lord and allow him to use me allow my uh, I need to say yes to serving and if that's you today and you say you know that's today that's my yes I'll say yes God I will serve wherever you want whatever you want I will serve if that's you let us know in the comments if you're watching online email us info at painesvilleag.com. come on I want to say yes. If that's you in here, I'm willing to say yes to God. Will you slip up your hand today? I'm willing to say yes to God. Online, are you willing to say yes to the Lord today? Father, today we surrender to you. Lord, if there's anyone watching right now, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us. We ask you, Father, today to come into our lives to fill us with your Holy Spirit. We say yes to you. Father, for those that are here that are serving you or that that love you, that have a relationship with you, but maybe have been holding back, thinking, well, maybe I'm just not that person. Maybe I'm just not qualified. Maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe this isn't a right time. This isn't the right place. But today, you'd be willing to say, Lord, if it is, if that's what you're calling, I say yes to you. I say yes to you today. Father, we surrender to you. We give our lives to you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.